Bearcat Bounce Podcast. Back at it again. Happy Monday, everyone. It is a uh, Monday following a difficult week for the basketball team. A week where all of a sudden we need to kind of round around and, and pull together and figure out what exactly the next steps are. But hey, it's a it's a week where we get to reflect and look forward to the future. It's also a Monday where we are one week away from the start of spring practice for the football team year two of the Scott Satterfield era. Year two in Big 12 for football. Excitement brewing there. It's also a Monday where I get to bring in my guys, bring in my pals, bring in the crew. Right now there's three of us who will be awaiting the fourth. He is he is coming as quickly as he possibly can. But for now, without further ado, my guys, pals, partners, crew, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel. Gentlemen, how are we? I'm playing hurt today, Brent. Playing hurt. Battling through it. Some back spasms. Uh, I'm day-to-day on the injury report. But I'm he I went through, you know, I went through the pre-game, the pre-show meeting. Yep. Uh went, you know, went through uh warm-ups and uh I'm gonna give it a go. Let us know when that core zone hits because it, it you'll, you'll get a jolt after that hits. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll need you at full strength. But Chad, good to have you, man. Good to have. Thanks. If I'm if I'm leaning back like this, I got a heating pad on my back right now. Okay. So you might not, you know, normally I'm like this for the show. Right. I'm not disinterested if I'm back here. I'm just trying not to be in excruciating pain. Hey, you know what? No judgment on this here, uh, this here pod, this here channel. No judgment. Uh, but Aaron, sir, how are we down there? Beautiful weather. Uh-huh. Yeah, doing all right. It was closest thing to a spring day we've had thus far, I think. Um, We're getting ever closer to that 70-degree mark. So, uh, yeah, just happy to see that. Kicked it with the baby today, so. Okay. No free ads, but I'll give a free ad. Uh, If you like making burgers at home, go to Avril Blay downtown and get their short rib brisket blend. Literally the best homemade burgers I've ever made. It, they're so damn good. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get that blend. Holy moly. It's incredible. It's like, literally, I think I almost burnt my hand from the juices running out of the burger the right. first bite I took. Right. It was awesome. Oh, well, yeah. We need to give it a whirl. Give it a try. Uh, yeah. Well, guys, that's that, that's good. We don't... We don't keep the intros too long anymore. Um, we we are going to go on a diatribe talking about court storming right now. No, we're not. We're you know we're going to avert that. Just like sometimes you got to avert traffic if you're driving a little crazily. But sometimes you do get tripped up and you and you cruise right into like a sidewall or you know you you, you hit that pothole. I keep bringing up pothole, but I got to bring up pothole because uh, there's a lot of potholes in India. A lot of times and sometimes you, you get a little messed up. That's when you got to head over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Tell them that uh, Chad Brendel sent you. Tell them that Aaron sent you. Tell them that Ryan Royer, who is coming as quickly as he possibly can, because he wants to be here for the brand new segment, new riffing with Royer, to make sure that he's here. So, uh, you know what? Mention them all, and uh, Danco Joe will hook you up, get you a quick 10% off your next fix and your $10 off your next oil change. So, Danco Transmission and Auto Care. Guys, um, real quick, Ed, it's a brisket short rib ground beef blend. Yes, 
and it's awesome. Take the notes, Ed. Take the notes. Notepad out. Quick note taking. Um, well, guys, it wasn't fun on Saturday. The uh, toughest loss of the season, if you will. Um, kind of not similar to to a sense to the Dayton game, but uh, just just a tough loss nonetheless. Obviously, coming in throughout the conference season, it has been a bit of a uh, closer stretch going up against numerous teams, racking up the eight 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 losses, but only having them coming a a combined thirty five points. That's four point four points per game per each loss. And all of a sudden, the Horned Frogs. Uh, you know, speaking of court storm, like a hot topic, Bearcats fans court stormed against TCU after the home victory, a big win over ranked opponent. Horned Frogs turn around, win by 18 on their home court. There was no storm, but I guess you could consider the fast break points that they laid up on the Bearcats a bit of a storm. But uh, a lot to still unravel from this, and and a lot to kind of to be frustrated about especially following that tough Wednesday night game against Oklahoma State but uh Aaron you were you were absente in the nightcap following the uh loss on Saturday but uh, we have you now here tonight and I I want to hear your your thoughts undress it break it down fill us in I don't know I mean I listened to I think I got through about half of it on Sunday of Tad and Keegan's recap from Saturday night. And I think the things that stand out to me that were said uh, that I would agree with is I think we've been seeing that this team has been playing up two or three spots for most of the team has been playing up two or three spots for a large majority of the season. CMOS being the guy is probably not where you want him. You want him being maybe like, second, third best player on this team, um, and so on and so forth down from from the top on down. Uh, and when you're playing that way, it's only a matter of time before these games catch up with you. And I think that having C.J. Frederick out for as many weeks as he was, he's never really been able to quite figure out the rotation, especially when – he, he got injured is pretty much when Jamil and Aziz were coming on, and so you never really had the entire team gelling. Um, and you still see some of that, and Vic having issues has kind of left your four spot in a place where you never really expected your four spot to be. I think it's affected John Newman's. Between between the rib injury and, and Vic having his issues, I think that's affected John Newman's offense. Um same time, you're seeing, you know, Jamil elevating. You're seeing Jizzle certainly elevating, uh, but it's not nearly enough. Yeah, o- offensively, sure. Um, but Both you're, of them. you're on offense, they're elevating. Defense, they are at times very hard to have on the floor. And I, I, I like them together offensively on the floor, but defensively, I feel like you're running. I know you don't like the rotation conversation, but I think you have to figure out how to properly get them in to try and mask some of those deficiencies. It also doesn't help when you have essentially a big 12 version of Jeremiah Davenport in CMOS out there, who is a fantastic offensive presence, but defensively more often than not a, a liability as well. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's rough. And I don't, 
Did you just compare Seamoss as an offensive player to Jeremiah Davenport? I did. I did. And I don't take it back. You're welcome. A Big 12 version of Jeremiah Davenport. Yep. Only difference is Jeremiah could actually rebound. Dad? When did you start drinking? <laughs> Just open one up. It was, it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day. <laughs> I've been watching the baby all day. Yeah, I, yeah, it's. I, I, I don't even know what to say to that. Yeah, to be I, honest. I think Cmos. I are you are you referencing kind of like that? I mean, I think turnover wise, he's he's had a couple struggles. There's um, that. Defensively, he's a lie. Defensively, he's a liability, and he's streaky at best as a shooter. Yeah, I've but seen that one over the one can make plays is is one of their best, if not their best passer, completely. Like knows how to manufacture offense if his shot isn't falling. And the other was Jeremiah Davenport, who was Good just rebound. a human heat check. Like he he didn't play any other offense than stand there and catch and fire uh, with no regard for human life. Well, when you're going two of eight, or and that was two games ago. I'm not even sure what the what he went this past game, but well, but there's a difference um, between a guy going two of eight and taking good shots, and a guy going was, two of eight. He was three of six was, from deep, three of seven overall. Yeah. Uh, had had four assists, which is which is good. Um, only one turnover, so actually kind of flipped the script there. I think it was more that he he had the rough turnover game against Oklahoma State earlier in the week. Um, Dan was the one that kind of had the uh, turnover bugaboo in this one with with the four turnovers against TCU. Um, so yeah, I I mean I, I I'm trying to connect the dots a little bit here. I I think Cmos is a little bit more of a creator. You know, he offensive uh, kind yeah, of that's people. that's the problem. Cmos is is presented right now is he was not brought in to be the number one three point shooter on this team, right? Um, he just doesn't like there's there's no other option to be the number one three-point shooter on this team than him. So yeah, they're they're having to get him more of those probably than they want to. Right. Um, but they have to play with the ball in his hands because you yeah. have two point guards that aren't passers, like they're not creators. And somebody has to create or be able to create with the basketball. Well, so he's being asked to be the number one three-point shooter. The de facto point guard. We've talked about this a bunch with him. He's being asked to do way more than his right. skill set allows him to do. Right. And something I thought about when I was watching the game is the fact that no one creates shots because they just pass the lob instead of shooting the ball when they get to the second level. Like so many alley oops thrown. It's unreal, ridiculous. I don't know. I'm, I mean, are the alley hoops annoying? Yes, because they're really bad at them. But they like throw like three a game in sixty possessions. I've, yeah. I've seen far more than three a game. I think no, I've you seen about. I, I vehemently disagree. I think it's probably about eight. Well, but like it's ones that nowhere. don't complete. You know, yeah, it, it, they're they're probably going about fifty percent on on made alley like completed alley oops and and failed alley oops. But it's so, three or four again. They don't throw right. eight of them. Yeah, I think in in the TCU game at 
I did see, I, I believe it, there was one possession where CMOS threw one beginning of the of the play and then they got it back and then Jizzle threw one later, in the play, which was uh, kind of funny. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, Chad, to your point, um, CMOS being the creator, I, it, it just, it, it sucks that that was what was kind of walking into with, uh, I think we're starting to see Jizzle a little bit pick up the, his passing, but that's only when it's kind of more on the perimeter you know, gets a, gets a high ball screen, doesn't go downhill with it. Instead kind of goes, you know, kicks to, it to the wing. And they, yeah. The, like to a wing. The makes a there, there's shot, an yeah. open CMOS or, or you just, you know, skip pass to an open shooter as well. We saw that a couple times. Um, yeah. I, I think CJ and, and you got to feel so bad for CJ. Um, this, this whole injury thing obviously is stuff that's out of his control. It's, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a player just, Struggled with with the injury bug, and um, that that has been the case here. And the whole flow and rhythm thing, I think, is is kind of contagious as the whole team has not been able to truly get that flow or get that rhythm. So, um, for numerous factors that we touch on every single week, and I I think it all kind of came to a head in this one. And it was a uh, situation where they were only down twelve with like you know seven minutes left where we've seen them go on those mini runs, those mini spurts where they get seven straight and all of a sudden they're only down five and it's a, it's a close kind of back and forth game the rest of the way. But those, those shots didn't fall. Instead, turnovers kind of piled up a little bit. And then the number one fast break team in the country turned into the number one fast break team in the country. And they were able to convert quickly and, and expand the lead back out again to, you know, 2022. And they were able to break it back down to 17 and, Stayed right there at, at, at 18 till the end. So, um, Chad, I kind of liked what you were you said in the nightcap because I literally had it written down as talking points, and then I I pop on the nightcap, and you literally brought up the exact talking points that I was going to bring up, and it was the fact that there's got to be some sort of a a way to know what the other team's strength is, obviously. And there's so many ways to figure it out. And obviously the staff knows it and, the, and they definitely prep the team for it. But then you, to go into each game and it, it seems like the opponent, at least in the last, you know, five so losses, they've succumbed to what the other team's biggest strength is. Yeah. I mean, in the first, first 40% of big 12 play, Part of the reason that all of those games were close is because they were like, let's face it, they didn't shoot well. Right. They they didn't, you know, they they weren't racking up uh, massive assist numbers. Right. But what they were able to do was kind of negate what the other team was best at. Yep. Um, at least, like I said, like you know, these are teams that are the best of the best in the country at whatever it is that they're specifically good like they do it at the the absolute highest level so you're not going to be perfect you're never going to keep houston uh from getting offensive rebounds but what you can do is keep them five or six under their average because then you're chipping into what they do like how they score Mm -hmm. and, and you're limiting the things that produce wins for them yeah when you play iowa state they are going to turn you over how about you just turn it over out 15 times 
instead of 25. Yeah. Like if you turn it over 15 times, you get that's 10 more possessions, yeah. 10 more opportunities to score on 38% of them. Wonder how many of those were lobs. Oh my god. Um, look, the lobs are annoying. They're annoying, they're yeah. bad. Like, but but let's not pretend like they're just every trip down. That's right up there with they just stand around on offense. No, it feels no, like it's every fifth do. opportunity. And I mean, when you're struggling with I, transition, because points. it angers you. So whenever you see it, you elevate it to they do it every damn time. Every damn time down the floor, they throw a lot of When really it's like twice a half. But both of them are generally bad. So <laughs> it stands out as a, more of an issue. Like it's an issue because generally the reason it's part of an issue, Aaron, is because it results in three or four turnovers a game. Mm-hmm. Like they're not even throwing bad lobs to where like they're caught and the guy comes down with them. Um, they're sailing out of bounds or off the backboard and being taken the other way. That's why they're frustrating. They, they, they don't happen as often as they feel, but they happen frequently enough in every game that now we're like, can we just, can we stop? Yeah. yeah. You guys don't have to like, just, to, just no, just like, don't do it. Stop. Don't do it. Reconsider. Yeah. I, for me, it, it just seems like just got in here. What is Wes and the team missing that will make this team a legit threat in the next years? And do we have it coming? Connor Cole. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, a number one, like a, a, an all conference type guy. When you watch every team in this league, it feels like every one of them has a guy that you're like, oh, that's an all-league guy. Yep. He might be third-team all-league, but he's all-league. Right. There's not an all-league guy on this Cincinnati roster. There's not. Yeah. I, and until there is, good luck winning in this league. Yeah. I, the thing is this. Um, you know, Obviously, recruitments happen left and right when it comes to, uh, you know, picking players out of the portal and whatnot. And and Chad, I'm sure you can back me up on this. The the staff was going after those type of players. And right in the thick of getting one that is currently succeeding on a top 15 team. So um, I, I think the fact is that then it's kind of a trickle effect. You know, and I kind of went back because that's obviously a, a key case. And you see over the last – decade every Cincinnati team has had at least one player on the team that has 1,000 career points you know just just a guy who's, who's a bucket TCU's guy. got five four right exactly thousand point scores yeah last year the Bearcats had I, I think it was four at one point three or four at one point um but yeah it, it just there's there's zero on the team right now. The closest is John Newman. He's got five seasons of 22 or more games, and he's at 917 points right now. And yeah. you know, so so he's not a, you know, he's never been a scorer, a go-to scorer. And I think you're starting to see that. He had a great burst in the beginning of the year. Had had great spurts in the beginning of the Big 12 play, but you know, people make adjustments. Game plans happen. You know, opposing well, teams. It's what we talked about. He's not getting, they're not letting him get transition buckets anymore. Right. Yeah. Like that was, that was accounting for four, six, eight points for him 
when he had these like 14, 16 point games or whatever, he was getting out in transition because he's the best finisher, I think, on this team. I don't mm -hmm. think that's really close. If you get him the ball playing downhill, he gets it in the basket. And we're not talking it's, like dunker, which he's up there for too, but yeah, we're talking but, um, just but someone who can finish. He gets the over. ball. Yeah. He puts the biscuit in the basket. In the basket. He's and the only one who can make like the, the, the circus layups a and all that shit Well, too. just a standard layup, Aaron. Fuck a circus <laughs> layup. Dan and Dede are the best at getting there, but John is definitely the best at finishing. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it's a it's, it's something that needs that take time for, for you know, Dede to figure it out against, you know, Division One talent, Big 12 talent for sure as well. And, and Dan on the same type of uh, trajectory there. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's definitely – oh, yeah, Royer made it, baby. I was, but, I was uh, waiting to drop him in until you were done talking. But, uh, well, he's here I now, knew but... he was. I knew Brent's brain was going to fry once he saw me. He's going to lose all his train of thought. He's going to break. <laughs> Damn, I'm, I am – Aaron, Aaron was being nice and trying to wait. No, no, no. I like watching <laughs> Brent's brain explode. Royer, how are we, sir? <laughs> Right doing away. good doing good good to see y'all man sorry about being late i was uh running late today from work so i had yeah. to get some stuff done had to finish but... that, that that most recent episode right <laughs> yeah it out on this out on the stall g bathroom just watching netflix hey went too late today been there man been there don't tell anyone ah uh, we won't we won't secret is safe amongst the bbp crap but uh yeah it it just is it's a bummer because obviously I and, and yes that did completely throw me off the rails. I'm not sure even what I was saying, but uh, yeah, it's it's finishing at the rim, um, just kind of that that bucket getter situation, and and I do like what um, Joshua Orkoski is saying over here. Do you think Dan or Cmos could develop into all league? I, Chad, that's a that that's interesting, and I want to like kind of tie you in here. I, I feel like you know you form this this group, right? And if everyone continues over into next season, mostly, you know, the core will return at the you know, outside of those that are either graduating or the ones that want to not take advantage of a COVID year or whatnot. But you, you return that core. Do you think adding a go-to guy, you know, adding someone that is, is a quote unquote bucket getter that will, you know, kind of, kind of control a lot of the ball in the offensive end. Do you think that will throw, the overall development and, and cohesiveness of uh, of the group that was put together this year. If it does, then you didn't have the right guys to begin with. Yeah, playing with better players should make you better, not worse. Oh, I like that. So, so if if bringing in a really, really, really talented combo guard or shooting scoring guard makes those guys worse, then they weren't the guys you thought they were in the first place. Right. There's plenty of room. Watch this league. There's plenty of room for more than one guy to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And you know, I we 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 did see some things in this TCU game. I want to continue to kind of go back on that, and then we can uh, stuff the horned frogs and 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 in the trash for the time being. But uh, you know, you, you saw a couple things that the entire fan base has been clamoring for. You saw the two guard lineup for. Uh, two point guard lineup with a uh, Jizzle and Dede for the longest stretch that I can remember the entire season combined. Um, you, you also saw some, some interesting lineups. I, 
I don't remember uh, Vic and Jamil having much minutes throughout the season together. You saw them playing a, a, a decent chunk in this one. Um, you saw. Oh, they played. My favorite was they played Day Day Jizzle and Vic at the same time. Day Day Jizzle, yeah, Day Jizzle, Vic, Jamil, and I then thought they, Twitter's head was going to explode. <laughs> they had. Um, it was either CMOS or I think they had Reed out there for, for a little since. No, they, as well. they they played Jizzle and Day Day together in the second half, and it was an abject disaster. Right. It was right. good in the first half. It was absolutely dreadful in the second. Yeah. Yeah. It the first half, like you said, they turned it's like a 14 to 13 deficit, and they were actually on the court for like eight minutes together. And they were able to turn that into the tw- to the famous 23-20 lead that they had. Then the jizzle was taken out because I mean you you play eight straight minutes that that that's just a typical rest spot you know what I mean so it's not that you know Wes was changing up the lineup and and had to take jizzle out or anything of that sort but yeah it, it worked it looked good and then you saw TCU go on their fourteen to three run and it, you know so it, sometimes you got to take a step back other teams can be good too. Like TCU is a tournament team. TCU is a team that is playing well at home. TCU is a team that it's not going to always be the Bearcats fault. If an opposing team goes on a run, you know what I mean? I, it just, my friend brought that up and I, I completely agreed. And, but I normally agree with you Yeah. on that point. That was a lot of Cincinnati's fault. Because yeah, their well, communication yeah. in transition was – they were just walking away from wide-open three-point shooters. Like, they like oh. they, they they were dreadful I in it. that second half stopping TCU. Like I was they, just talking first half. Just I first know, half. I, okay. But in general, yes, you're right. Like, guess what? Both teams are going to go on runs. You're going to have – in a sport where – 50%. If you score on 50% of your trips, it's considered elite. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna hit cold spells, and, and the other team is gonna gonna go on an 11 to 2 run at some point. Like it's inevitable. It happens pretty much in every game for both teams. Right. The the difference being, I, I just I, I don't know, man. It looked like a team that is mentally just at their breaking point right now because little stuff communication like effort in terms of like getting to the spot and making sure that they're not in rhythm offensively when you right. let the other team like this is the first time in a while that you know when we t- the, the Dayton game comes back to mind where Dayton just got to wherever they wanted on the floor like they mm-hmm. just did whatever it was that that they had drawn up they executed it and Cincinnati didn't do anything to stop it that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You know TCU wants to score in transition. They're number one in the nation in fast break points. That is like their core principle. Get out, run, score. Don't run offense in the half court because in this league, offense in the half court is really, really damn difficult unless you're playing. There's like three teams that you know you can run some offense on and feel good about yourself. Uh, the other 11 are including Cincinnati. There's a good chance they're going to lock you up in the half court like that. So not, not being connected in that phase yeah. 
is infuriating for a coaching staff because th those kids know they were told they want to run, communicate, yeah. stay together, stop the ball and force them into the half court. And you have a chance to beat them, which is why they beat them the first time. Mm -hmm. And you know what I noticed a, a little bit as well in that second half was the two big lineup when, when they're on the court and they're both near the basket on a, a, a missed layup or a missed, you know, like a, a drive and then you get into the thick of the defense, you're near the baseline, you just throw the ball away. Those fast breaks will almost always be advantage for the offense because the two bigs aren't going to get back fast enough. And then the one guard that got too deep near the baseline is not going to get back fast enough. So I, they kind of feasted on that, that little like run that they had that was like a seven nothing run you know, late second half. And like you said, I, I think that was just kind of a, a moment where it was just like, all right, it's, it's, it's done after this. There's, there's yeah. no coming back. Um, you know, I, you even saw some possessions of a two, three zone by the Bearcats. You saw Bad. it was a, it sucked. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of just first time seeing things in this game. And, and I think it's just because, you know, you're, you're trying everything and you're, you're, who knows? It's it's tough. And uh, at, in the end, it was a game where the breaks didn't go Cincinnati's way. And before you know it, it was it was the biggest loss of the season. But now you have an opportunity to get right against Houston, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, perfect schedule, you know, uh, synergy is that you play probably your worst game of the year and your reward is uh, – a trip to Houston yeah. uh, to get your ass kicked. The best, the best team in the nation. Um, just, I guess just the team that really before, doesn't like you. <laughs> before we move on to, to Houston, Ryan, did you want to add anything on the TCU game? You get a you get a chance to watch the old Horn Frogs out there on on so, Saturday midday. I had it on <clears throat> on my phone when I was driving, so all I could hear was the the like color guy. Like try, but he was not very good at like play by play in terms of like some of the other guys on ESPN Plus. But so I was listening and I could I couldn't really see what exactly was happening. But I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't really have much to say about it because I didn't I couldn't really pick up any intelligible thoughts based on the announcing that I was trying to take in. But yeah, that that loss hurts because we needed that one especially coming into Houston now because uh, you know, your thought would have been, all right, we have, we have to beat TCU and we can lose to Houston and then we'd have to run the table after shitting the bed versus Oklahoma State. But, yeah, it's tough because it's just like we we showed that we could win on the road. We went and I think we had, we had better wins against better teams throughout this year and when we needed it most, we shit the bed kind of – uncharacteristically i guess so to say like i think with the way west and this team's been kind of its trajectory the past two years i, mm -hmm. I kind of felt like this is a game we were going to go out and win um and i i was kind of shocked with kind of what you guys are saying just how we ended up playing our worst game of the year with our backs against the wall it just didn't really feel like feel like us and feel like the the moment that should have happened but right tough man because you know i all i want to see i want to see these guys play in march i want to see some tournament basketball it's been 
way too long. I hope long. you like the NIT. <laughs> There's still they a chance, like, they Chad. Played, they played March basketball last year, Royer. Tournament basketball. The real made the, made the, made the it's like when I would it's NIT. like when I would play linebacker for the football team in games. It's not real football. It's, kind of like, <laughs> it's make a wish. <laughs> uh Connor, thanks again as always for the donation. Uh, do we have a bright future? Yes. I mean, look, you don't get in a situation where up and you know, you, you don't have a double digit conference loss until late February. If, if you don't have a solid core, if you don't have pieces in place to be in a good spot, uh, is there something the fans should be excited for? Yes. Like this has been up until, you know, everybody's pissed off now. I get it. Like the Oklahoma State loss pissed everybody off. We're learning. Uh, and if you, again, if you had been listening to Aaron and I for a while, you would have known that Oklahoma State was playing better and that was that, that, that they were dangerous, especially offensively. Um, but it's got people down because that was kind of the nail in the coffin. And so, yeah, do they have a future number one coming? Ask me in April. And we'll have a better grasp on that because if there's going to be one on this team, you, you do not, unless it's Jacoby Walter, who's going to be a top five lottery pick, uh, that generally doesn't come from freshmen. So you're going to have to go out in the portal. You're going to have to find you an, a, 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 a scoring guard, a scoring right. guard that can get you buckets. I know everybody talks about the four. I'm not as... Especially if you can go get a legit, like, 30-minute a game two. I'm less worried about the four. CMOS can play the four. Josh can play the four. You've got Tyler and Tyler. Like, there are answers at the four. Would would would, uh, would adding a four be good? Yeah. But I don't think it's, like, a dire need if you go get a legitimate starting high-scoring two that – kind of shifts everything down and you can play Dan comfortably at the three. And, you know, you've got, you've got the guys that I mentioned that you can play at the four. And, you know, I think you'll see more, probably more if both are back, Jizzle and Day Day together um, in the backcourt. And you could probably go get an, another guard wing type um, that, that can help you out. So I, I don't think it's far off. Like they're not, they're not getting smacked around in Big 12 play. And even they are like, right there. Rayvon's getting a full season of high level training. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, that, that's another thing to remember is, is, you know, you're adding Rayvon as well as going to technically be a freshman next season as well. And, and you got to imagine what he can do. Kind of just added into the mix. Um, yeah. It, it's for me, uh, you know, I, we're going to kind of wrap up TCU here, but, you know, Jacoby Coles was, was the player that constantly hit an open three or an open two that we Bearcats just left them wide open. And uh, it's, it was a tough so scenario. He, what was that Aaron? It was so stupid. He, he, they, why are you going to dare that guy to shoot? It, I, I still could, can't make sense of any of that. I, you know, it, he hit a huge shot, I think last year or two years ago in the NCAA tournament for TCU. So it's like, this is a guy that, that can shoot. Um, it was kind of confusing why it, one that one was that top of the key where like disease just they walked like, away from him. 
Yeah, go ahead. No one within seven feet. Um, but anyway. Aziz did the Aziz did my favorite. I we I think I talked about this with Chris. Yeah. Uh, in the in the breakdown where Aziz stands at the free throw line and raises his arms like that's a challenge. Like, oh, I got it. Like, no, you're you're eight feet away from that. I know you're an alien and you're tall, but you gotta like you gotta challenge him like go this and on. not like. Yeah. Right, I agree, and, and and you know what? I've seen some some talk about Aziz, and I want to say I will take Aziz Bandago on my team ten t- ten times out of ten. Uh, he is an absolute warrior. He is, you know, of course he's not going to be hitting turnaround jumpers and you know have a polished post game, but the dude is he, he's the hardest worker on the court almost every single possession. Uh, and he's when you when you have a seven foot frame and and long athletic ability on top of that, then yes, the other intangibles will come. But I'll take a hard working dude and Aziz Bandago with that size day in and day out. So um, I I saw some things saying you know he's he's not doing well. Blah blah blah. Come on, I mean, it's not coincidence that analytically Cincinnati is at its best when Aziz Bandago is on the floor. Yeah. Oh, that's, absolutely. That's not a shock. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it was a team that was number one in the country and fast break points over the last, I think what they showed five games or last 10 games. They did like a little graphic. they had only been averaging 10 points on fast breaks. TCU. That is. Then the Horn Frogs go out. They get 25 fast break points. It is a struggle and Cincinnati struggled to stop or slow them down. I've got some pre- pretty jarring stats before we roll into our thoughts on, on the Houston game coming tomorrow night. So on uh, good old Bartorvik.com, you can you can arrange stats from you know a certain date throughout the season all the way up to the current time. And I did that with, with Cincinnati. Started January 1, which is pretty much the beginning of a conference player all around the country. The Bearcats are 396th in the country in effective field goal percentage. Bearcats are 338th in turnover rate offense since January 1. They are 49.2% on two-point shooting, which is not horrible, but it's still 229th in college basketball. And then since January 1, the Bearcats are shooting 30.1% from three, which is 330th in college basketball. There are 362 Division I teams. Um. It is shocking that this team has been in every game until Saturday. Oh, very much so. <laughs> I mean, if you think West can't coach, with the numbers that you just heard, if you think West can't coach, you're an absolute idiot. Because they should have been blown out six times by now yeah. with, with that on their resume. It's unbelievable. Um I mean, they're, they're 16th in the country in, in offensive rebound percentage. They're, you know, up there. In de- they're actually not up there in defensive rebounding percentage, but there's some other defensive statistics that they're, they're up there pretty decently on. Didn't, didn't, get, didn't get the free throw percentage rate, but I'm, I'm sure that's, that's pretty rough. But, you know, the, the fact that they're still in there just shows that the, the progression to get there is figuring it out. But, the continuity on the roster has not been there. The ability to, well, to have a day in and day out score is, is not quite there either. Chad, go ahead. 
it's also goes back to why what do I said over the past five seasons? You can't keep turning over 60, 70% of your roster every year and expect to have any continuity and expect yeah. to, you know, to just every year hit the ground running and be fine. It doesn't work. Go look at the teams that are at the top of the country right now. You know what they all have? Continuity in their rosters. Right. Th those teams are not turning over four, five, six, seven, eight guys in the transfer portal every year. So it, it takes a little while to get there and, and to backfill that type of, of high school talent. What's interesting is, like, Oklahoma State kind of did it differently, right, Aaron? Because everybody is, is fixing through the portal – and Oklahoma State said, we're going to go take five freshmen, and we're going to start over. Yes. We're going to hit the reset button. Now the interesting, thing will be, the interesting thing will be, do they keep them, right? Because now they're losing, all – Losing sucks. Yeah, losing sucks. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens with their situation through all of this. Oh, yeah. I, it, and, I mean, the thing about it now is that there's unlimited transfers – uh, NIL is just open gates now. It, 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 the the colleges can get involved now. The universities can get involved now. So it's like, hey, the floodgates are open, man. So uh, Javon Small, great season at OK State. How much do you love OK State? Is still water your favorite now, or what's going on? I, it, it's just the the whole thing is is going to be interesting. But yeah, Chad, those teams, what they do is you know, like Purdue got got a Lance Jones to fill a hole that they right. didn't have last season. You build UConn. a roster and then you you pluck a guy or two here, a guy right. or two there. You kind of got a Cam Spencer who, who fixes the outside shooting problem that they, that they lost last year. I, you know, it's just the pick and choose. You do see those those teams that do have the whole roster overhaul thing and then they end up making the tournament and, and could go on a little run or whatnot. But those are – Kind of a dime I mean, outside of Iowa State, all of those teams that have done that in the past three years have fallen apart. Yeah, like it's not sustainable. It, it, right. You can, yeah, like Kansas State, yeah, last year, and, and this Kansas State team is decent. They're they're on the bubble. They're it looks like they're going to get a win over West Virginia tonight. Although they're they're trying to piss down their leg, but like <laughs> yeah, it's it's down to eight. It's okay. amazing what happened when you don't hit seven threes in a row. All right. Uh, how different you look offensively. Yep. Um, it, it's a matter of that continuity becoming who you are and not having to figure out. You know, there was a stretch for two months in conference play where they were as good defensively as just about anybody in the country. But it took them two months to get there. Because they had seven new guys. Yeah. So that part, like, life would be a lot easier if you were able to, to be playing defense at that level in late November instead mm -hmm. of early January. That that changes the entire dynamic. They couldn't stop X and Dayton to save their lives because they hadn't figured out their identity defensively yet. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know everybody thinks it's an easy answer. It's an easy fix. Um, but they've got to start stacking continuity. They've got to start having some, uh, some regularity with what this roster looks like. Yeah. Um, so the 18 point loss to TCU was the biggest loss the Bearcats have had since 
the AAC tournament loss to Houston last year. That was a 21-point loss. It was their biggest regular season loss since last year against Ohio State in the Maui Invitational, but it was the biggest conference regular season loss since the 18-point loss at Houston two years ago. The reason why I'm saying all these is because their next game is at Houston, a uh, continual name team that is mentioned and uh, connected to the Bearcats in quite a way that, it, you know, it's, it is so frustrating how, you know, back in the chicken Knowles days, it was, it was us the Bearcats beating down on, on the Cougars and, and this, that, and the other. Now at Houston's at the, uh, the mountaintop. Um, the Bearcats are staring at points. Yeah. Bearcats are staring at their, their first three game losing streak of the season. Um, their their last three game losing streak was last year with those with the two Maui games and then the NKU game that we don't talk about anymore. Um, this is also the first time all season since Bracket Matrix has been tracking the whole you know NCAA tournament and, and brackets out there and whatnot that Bearcats are included on zero brackets all around the entire bracket matrix. So guys, and they um, shouldn't be. No, they should not. So thoughts on it shouldn't be a surprise. I, I didn't say it was. I was more just. Like, I know. I'm just saying that shouldn't. Nate, if that at. surprises you, you're not paying attention. They right. they were last four in, last four out before they lost to Oklahoma State and TCU. They were yeah <laughs> right exactly. Um, but yeah, it, it's just kind of stated where we're at right now. But as you, Aaron, kind of already alluded to, Cougars up next on the schedule. At Houston, where uh, I, I don't know if you knew it, but Houston is the number one team in the country, according to the AP poll. They are fantastic at home. They're perfect 15-0. and 0. They, Their closest win at home was an eight-point win against then-ranked number six, Iowa State. Every other game has been a double-digit win, and in most cases, an absolute blowout. So tell me, where's what, what your, your mind at? With the Bearcats still staying in the beautiful big state of Texas and heading into the line's 12 and a half for Tita Center. It was 13 and a half. Did it go down to 12 and a half? Uh, the, when the, and I half. talked to somebody when I was cooking dinner, I saw tw- they said 12 and a half, whatever. Wow. Sharp 13 and a half. Bearcats. 17 and a half. I just bought like, 13 how, and a half. How high up does it have to go before you would be comfortable taking it? Wait. The team is not wait until, playing well enough to be within 10 of Houston. Just wait until that. Just wait until that that first after the, after the first four minutes and that that first time, TV timeout. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be looking at about nineteen and a half, twenty one and a half. Yeah, um, I don't know how you could feel good about this. I mean, they gave Houston a game here. Houston's mm-hmm. not. Like Houston is is very familiar with Cincinnati. They they know who Cincinnati is. Yep. Uh, they are not going to be uh, – I mean, I, I guess if you're looking for a bright side, they did just come off wins over Iowa, Iowa State and Baylor, two top ten teams. I mean, maybe they maybe they decide to to rest everybody tomorrow night. They did have to go into Jed, overtime against Baylor. Yeah, because they blew a 16-point first-half lead. That first half was a basketball clinic that they put on Baylor and then Baylor did a great job coming back and getting it to overtime. But that would have been, now you want to talk about that. If Houston had blown a 16 point halftime lead and lost to Baylor, Mm -hmm. 
I I would have watched like this tomorrow night. <laughs> um, yeah, I it it'll be it'll be interesting. The the uh, Cougars right now. Oh, Ken Palm has the Cougars 72 to 58, 90% chance to win over the Bearcats. Um, obviously the number one defensive team in the country. Uh, actually, and the number 16 offense. Getting like in this offense. league, in yeah. this league, there's a lot of like three and 40 or yeah, 11 and 63 or whatever. Like, there's one side is generally better than the other. That is not really uh, the situation mm-hmm. in the uh, the the baked egg center, right? Yeah. Well, and 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 also, you like that, that the baked the, egg center? I, I think I'm just going to call it the baked egg center from now on. The the same defenses that push Cincinnati to that those bad rankings since January one. Houston is the num- is number two in the conference during conference play offensively, offensive efficiency. So, yep. yeah, they they probably got conference player of the year and uh, and shed. You know, Cryer had a bad game against the Bearcats first game around, which means he's gonna, it, but still hit that ridiculous shot to to give them the uh, the spread. But I, you know, it, it it just show me something. You know, go go in there. You know you're familiar with Houston as well. You know you you spent that extra time down down in Texas, going from TCU. I don't over like that. You know that's from everybody I know in the coaching business. They hate it. Yeah, they think their teams play. That's another massive fear of mine, is right. they feel like their teams play significantly worse in the second game of a two game road trip when they don't like get back into their routine of going yeah. to class and yeah, um, going to class sure. Yeah, right. Well, they still are down there, right, Royer? You guys have tutors that travel with you. Yeah. Yeah. Student, athlete. Yes. Student first, athlete second. Yeah. Especially can't nowadays. Help. Yeah. I, I can't wait to talk about the student fans. And- Semi-pro. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Yo, come in. Come in. Play NIL. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, 7 p.m. tip. ESPN 2. Uh, I mean, you had the halftime lead at Houston last year. Landers Nolly had a great first half, though. Uh, you had the halftime lead against Houston. You had a what an eight point lead in the beginning of the second half. Do you think Landers will come back for tomorrow? I think he told the staff he was right. I mean, yeah, at one point he did. Yeah, fair. They could use him. This would be such a different team if he was on this team. Wild. Wild. Don't even. We don't. I don't want to have that conversation. He'd be a early second round draft pick. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. But uh, yeah. Well, tomorrow a a chance to truly. I. I mean, I'm. I'm saying like it, it is. The odds are very, 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 very low. But like my friend Lloyd Christmas once said, so you're saying there's a chance. No, I'm not saying that. That's 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 all I'm gonna hinge on. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and timestamp this sucker and let's let's roll into the uh, new riff in with Royer. Give me one second. <laughs> I'm struggling right now. Bad. Bad. 
That timestamp is brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low-minimum next-day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom-printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick at 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom, baby. Chad, did you get the new Riffin read up? I'm going to quickly stage a uh, the first question of new Riffin uh, around to you guys. And I just want your quick thoughts, just real fast, because it is the hot topic of the sports world right now. And that is court storming. Ryan, got to hear your thoughts on the old court storming. We all know what happened. Wake Forest takes down Duke at home. Kyle Filipowski gets, I, you know, there, there, there's a bump. There's a big bump. Kyle Filipowski needs to be helped off the court. Now all of a sudden everyone wants to, 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 to cut the court storming down. No more court storming. And then they also want to cut down the handshake line. No handshake line. Royer, your thoughts? I think there's some, I don't think they should ban court storming. I think it's a fun part of the game, but I do think there has to be something uh, done. If like with the police or the, what's it called? The staff, at the games that can kind of give the hold back the students and the students shouldn't be like um, on the court within a second of the zeros, like what it is. They, there have to be some sort of organization with, all right, we, you guys can rush the court, but just let the other team get, get off and, and get to the, get, start going to their locker room. Um, I, I just think it's a, it's a big part of college sports, whether it be field storming and football court rushing and basketball. I think it's awesome. You know, it, it doesn't get to happen a lot. Um, so I, I would hate to see it go. I think there's stuff they can do to prevent some of these things. Um, but yeah, and handshake line. I mean, no, I mean, you need, I think you should keep that too. What, what is that? I haven't really heard about that one. That they asked Tom Izzo about it. I guess there was some talk about just, completely getting rid of it all after after a game <laughs> so there's no altercation because of what with the, with the players i i think Izzo just laughed at it and i mean i didn't really see too too much of the context of it but i just know that that, that was the the talk circulating uh amongst the uh the old heads out there jake billis today was talking about how people who rush the court just need to be arrested and they need to break down the the film and footage of whoever was on the court and yeah. make sure that everyone is arrested. Like, I don't know why we're taking it to that extreme. Right. Like, I, I think well, that's I don't think that's a full representation of what Jay was saying. I think it was more along so, the lines of if you're going to stop it, like, you have to do something that will actually stop it. So he didn't say arrest. Like, what, what he said was, that's fine. You storm the court, you storm the court, but then you all get to wait before you leave. You get your citation uh, for storming the court on the way out the door. That was what his, I think it's simple. Are you serious about stopping court storming or not? Because if you're serious about it, there's one specific way to do it. You forfeit. Yeah, vacate the win. Yeah. You didn't win. That, right. that 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 elated, boisterous enjoyment. Oh, 
Hope you enjoyed it because now you lost. You yeah. lost that game. If you're serious about it, then that's what you do. If you're not serious about it, then it's fines and right. dumb. Like, give all the kids a citation yeah. that they're not going to pay. You know, I okay. <laughs> I have old buddies that that used to wear those those same yellow security jacket things that uh, the people do at, at at these college games. They they don't get paid diddly poo. You know, like no. they're not they're not there. They're to not be like, stopping seven hundred people. I'm gonna from stop all these people from rushing the court. You know, I hell no. One one of the things I heard that I, that I think I agree with because I am I am pro court storming to to the to the max. Like, give me all that happiness, man. Um, but you know, one thing if they really do want to like really crack down on it would would be where you you kind of let the the handshake line go through and then you let the the opposing team leave the court. And then, and then you know the the, the home team kind of gathers in the middle, and then after the opposing team leaves the court, then you let let the fans rush. So there's kind of that anticipation for after they leave, but that, even that'll be hard to police. Uh, I mean, I'm look, I'm, I'm I got ran to... over like three times in 2008 uh, if the, for if the the, 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 the the Orange Bowl field storm that the game wouldn't end. And the fans just kept storming the field and getting oh, yeah. pushed back and storming that the field. Was that, was that Pitt? I think. I, I, I think, think so. Was. Look, if the football players were actually being paid by the university, you could use them as security to hold back the entire student section. Be it'd be an excellent exercise for the offensive line, defensive line. Just one hell just, of an NIL deal, right there, right? Just saying. Except they want to storm the court too, Aaron. Yeah, but, they already you know, practiced that at Martino's. They already got all the big boys running <laughs> the door. Come Martino's. on, but you know what? You I got that operation Holy going. Had a bunch too. Holy Grail. Oh yeah, yeah. Holy Grail. I will say that uh, our fan base is smarter than we give credit for. They they knew that that home win against TC was going to be their last chance to uh, storm the court against a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, they took full advantage. Uh, <laughs> anyway, all right. New, new so by the way, game. Brent. Yeah. Kansas State's going to be coming off a loss Saturday. I, I I literally just looked up the score as we were talking. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. They're going to be uh, whatever. I Well, then that should be a game that you win. Okay. There you go. That's, that's all I got to say about the Saturday yeah. game against Kansas State. I agree. But new riffing with Royer. Let's get that. Let's get that read and let's pass it on down to the man, the myth, the legend. New riff, fiercely independent and unabashedly innovative. Like we're gonna have to work. That's too many big words in the first five words. Fiercely mm -hmm. independent and unabashedly innovative. New like riff produces award-winning bourbon, rye whiskey, and gin at their distillery in Newport, Kentucky. The Aquafire Tasting Room, located on the third floor of the distillery, features cocktails, flights, and pours of New Riff's entire line of spirits, including rare, limited edition, and distillery-exclusive releases. Bearcat Journal listeners can save 50% off on distillery tours when you use the code BEARCATS24. For more information or to book a tour, visit distilling.com. Boom. Boom, baby. Yes, sir. All right. Got some comparison questions for you guys today. Okay. 
Okay, would you rather have the Cats Hoops team roll in Tuesday, get a dub, or the football team win eight games this season? Now, listen, for this, they could beat Houston, but and they went out, they make the tournament. But I didn't want to say, like, oh, Bearcats Hoops makes the tournament, they went out, because, you know, all they get is the chance. They get the foot in the door by beating Houston. Well, given how many times this team has won two in a row in conference play, uh, if you're counting <laughs> on them to win four, you know. Yeah. They have won two in a row, a grand total of zero times. But uh, half you a know time, what? Brent. Half a time. Half a time. Yes. Half the time, all the time. They beat Evansville, and then they beat BYU. So BYU was part of a two-game winning streak. Technically. Oh, wow. See? Yeah. Look at Chad with the optimism. <laughs> I like that. Um, you know, uh, Ryan's as, far, like that. As, <laughs> as far as this question goes, Royer, I'm not going to max out the Bearcat football team at only eight wins, man. Come on now. <laughs> Give me. It's not a max a out. Give me a win against Houston tomorrow. <laughs> Double triple All right. Down. And by the way, I love Would You Rathers. Mine are normally a little dirtier than that, but I love Would You Rathers. So let's uh, let's let's keep these rolling. Aaron, what's your answer? Um, well, I'm gonna say eight wins for the football team. I'd be very happy to discuss a a winning record in conference play for one of these two teams. And at this point, uh, that is dead and gone for the the basketball team they can get um, the nine and nine aaron oh sure okay anyway i'm taking football i'm taking the the fan Child base not trying to back home not not trying <laughs> to fire one of these there, two head coaches here <laughs> um, but, but yeah i quit <laughs> it, oh I love that song. They're still going to try to fire Satterfield. They lost four times. Four? (laughs) Depends on the slot, right? Right, Right. exactly. What did Chad say? Uh, I I will take the win at Houston. Uh, I would take football eight wins. uh, Mainly because this is not a shocker. It would be symbolic if they could get a win over Houston, because it hasn't happened since Wes has been here. Um, They lost six times in two years to Houston, two times in the regular season uh, each, and then one in each conference tournament. They lost to Houston at home earlier this season. Uh, I I think it actually dates back to Brandon. So I think it's 10. It's 10. I think they've lost yeah yeah, 10 straight times to Houston. They need to get that monkey off their back. Yeah, yeah when he when he tried to take a bite out of uh uh Mamadou. Gosh, that's a take... When was the I last home home I mean went at Houston? That had to be maybe I mean I would guess it would be Gary and Kyle and Jaron and Jake. I'm going back. I guess. I'm going back. Um so I mean look. I the right answer is probably eight wins for football, just because right. that would mean eight times we get to do a happy post game show um, <laughs> and not listen to Louisville fans show up in our I miss, mentions. I miss so much. 
<laughs> no, you don't. At the end of the year, it was just acceptance. The stages of grief. Yeah. No, I, um, miss, I miss the happy shows, the wind shows. Those are oh, the shows I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. I thought you were saying you missed the football no, shows. We, which we, no. we haven't had it. We haven't had a ton of happy shows in this Big Twelve <laughs> era thus far. Not yet. Not yet. Um, it'll get there, but I think I would take a win over Houston. Just West needs uh, something to hang his hat on yep. right now, and doing something nobody else has been able to do would be a big deal. So I'll take the win over Houston, knowing that it's probably the wrong answer. You know, um, the last time the Bearcats won at Houston, January 7th of 2017, Troy Copain, 13 points, six rebounds, five assists. A uh, Troy was on the team? team? Team high, Kyle Washington, 19 points, nine rebounds, two blocks. Troy was on the team. That, That's a, that tells you how long it's been. It's it's you know like like Troy like, Troy's Troy's fucking old now. Like those famous like, singers. <laughs> it's been a while. You know, Troy's got to be pushing thirty at this point. Yeah. You guys got to stop singing. Just stop. All right. We're done. <laughs> All right. Next row. All right. What would mean more? Bearcats basketball elite eight appearance or a football big 12 championship. Elite eight stamp it. I'm well going to say an elite eight would be more than a big 12 championship because you can lose in the big 12 championship game and still play in the playoff. Here's the thing. If you are big 12 champion, there is a very, 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 very high likelihood that you get a buy and you're automatically into the quarterfinals of the college football playoff. Yeah. That is massive. Um, because if, if people don't know the way that it's set up, the four highest rated conference champions are the top four seeds. So like Notre Dame Alabama and Georgia – Notre Dame can't ever get there. But here's the other thing people don't think about, Aaron. If Alabama and Georgia are one and three, Georgia is automatically no better than the six seed or five seed. So they are completely, you're out of the running. If you're a Big Ten or an SEC school that does not win your conference championship, I think it has to be conference championship because you're going to get a ton more airtime and publicity for winning the Big 12 and getting a bye than the Elite Eight. Um, although I'm a basketball guy. So for my personal enjoyment, it would be the Elite Eight. What would be better for the university and the program? It would be a Big 12 football championship for sure. I don't want to adjust Great your answer, question, Chad. Royer. I don't want to adjust your question, but what if it was Final Four for both? Then it's got to be. Hmm. It's got to be a basketball, right? Yeah. No, it's still football. No, still no, football? at that point, it, football's in the football. final four of the college football playoff. It's definitely football if it's final four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I forgot you got to win that first game still. Yeah. Um, they win the yeah. first game and advance to the final four of the college yeah. football playoff. Right. In this era and all the extra talk and hype and publicity it gets you and yeah. money. Yeah. The answer is football. Uh, even though I think, again, 
I'm still going. Basketball. I would enjoy <laughs> basketball more because I'm a basketball guy. Like yeah. I, I, I love the NCAA tournament. Right. Um, the college football tournament is going to be really interesting because it's going to be so intertwined with the NFL with playoff games. Uh, yeah. As you get into the later rounds, that I wonder how much shines Wednesday game. Well, my point though being, one of the great parts about like when you see made the college football playoff. From the end of the conference championship game to the start of the college football playoff, talk, talk, talk. They talk. got regular top of the fold conversation about right. the University of Cincinnati for a month. Mm-hmm. Now, if you play on Friday, guess what they're going to be talking about on Friday? Like on Sports Center and the that whatever Saturday's all the shows. NFL game. They're going to be talking about the NFL stuff. So you're not going to get the glow up now that you normally would get. So I, I would have to factor that in. I'd still say football just because the, 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 the juice is so large. Right. But so watch sports center. Uh, I do. I have it on. I don't know that I necessarily watch it, only thing it I, but it's on. I think the, the only thing I watch is the only thing I watch is the SVP hour that, yeah. that hits right after games are over. But well, that's yeah, usually that's what happens here. And I sleep TV. with the I sleep with the TV on, so SVP is on when I go to sleep, and then when I wake up, Sports Center is still on. So I watch See, some of it. Yeah. You got to be falling asleep watching like TBS or TNT. So we're like Vegas or like Buffy or whatever the, the... <laughs> yeah. And then you wake up and you're like, what is this? Like Charmed what is, this is on. Commercial. Like, Charmed. Oh, and you're seeing like. Monsters, hey. and you're like, "What is going on?" Charmed. I fell asleep really to Shaq how- and Charles, and I wake up to this. What the heck? Charmed. Charmed really knew how to cast a show. Let's just say that. There we go. The casting right. directors at Charmed were okay. Bonk. Royer saying they Take casted the show well. <laughs> All right, I I'm curious for Brent because I feel like. Brent's gonna answer yes so quickly on this. I'm ready. Would you get food poisoning for three days for the cats to win out and win one one game in the tournament? One billion percent. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind. I I I will I said I was gonna hold my pee for a whole weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep outside for a whole week. <laughs> Three days is a lot of food poisoning, bro. Yeah, it's a t- food poisoning. It's usually like a 24, 36 hour. No, nah, I'm <laughs> out on 72 hours of food poisoning. Nah, you, I think I'm you'd good. lose like 25 pounds just well, in water. My teen nation, <laughs> I could probably use that. Aaron. That's a cheap use that. There, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in charge of a little human who is more important to me than anything going on here. So what an honorable answer. Aaron. Yeah. yeah I'm, geez. I'm, I'm going to pull up the heartstrings. Heart it looks I'm, like you and I are being bedridden together. For I'm hours. selfish. I just don't want to be, I don't want to be double fisting the toilet and the trash can for, uh, <laughs> for three days. Oh, I'd be begging for more. Chad, actually. think about the think about all the awesome Twitter fights you could get in, though, going into the tournament. You couldn't. And no, you'd I have couldn't. Toilet, I you'd have three toilet days. hands. <laughs> you can live stream you at the toilet. Every every other sentence. 
<laughs> trying to get I'm your point across. I'm out on food poisoning. Just I just out. call I Nico every day and say, "All right, I need a, I need a hype up. I only have 48 more hours of food poisoning." He get me Let's going. Go. Would be good, Roy. I, I mean, you're doing it, right? I don't know. I was typing it. I was like, I don't really know what I would do. Because it's like, uh, one win is kind of, it's like on the fence. Like two wins, I would love that. Like Sweet 16 would be nuts. When in, what, six games in a, well, I guess not counting the tournament. But yeah, if not including the Big 12 tournament, six wins in a row, just to like catapult you. I think I would do that. I don't know about I don't know about a first round, just one first round. <laughs> sounds like a, you know, it just sounds like a challenge. I, I, I mean, I meant bring it on. Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing, Netflix. Royer. If they oh, if man. they win out, if they win four games, including one at Houston, which would be the single biggest win by anyone in the country this year, and then they win one in the Big Twelve tournament, they would be in the NCAA tournament. Be a nice. That would, that would get them in. But so, then he said, win one game in the tournament. In the Big 12 tournament, I thought he said. No, the NCAA. I'm saying. Oh, to get to round of 32? Now Chad's yeah. saying, yep. Mm, I, still don't <laughs> want, I still don't want food poisoning for three days. I'm out on that. Damn. Out, there's very few things short of like three days of food poisoning and Cincinnati wins a national championship and we get to spend an entire spring and summer talking about a national championship team. Yeah, I think I would bite the bullet for that. Uh, but in terms of <laughs> you think? in terms of one NCAA oh, I, tournament win, I do uh, I do a a week in solitary in prison for a national. <laughs> <laughs> no, Brent you do a week. Somebody's bitch. No, 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 that's the thing. It can't be in solitary. He has to be among the masses. Ah, Roy, you <laughs> caught me. <laughs> All right. All right, all right. I I like the good question. Is all that, right, is, that, is that those it? are my yeah, those are my three for the week. God, what a stud! All right, take your shot. <laughs> I need my we bottle, gotta man. Bottle. We gotta get you yeah. a bottle. A botley. Gotta get you a bottle. All right, that's gonna timestamp. Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. They provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies to so products like to-go containers, cups. Pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, Aaron, last I checked, mailbag was kind of light, right? It's relatively speaking. Okay. Um. I didn't want to chop out this next segment because because it's obviously something we we, we got to talk on. So let's uh, let's go ahead and hit it real fast. Uh, spring ball, spring spring practice for football, one week away. So so next week on the BVP we will be hearing chatter. Are you gonna be able to go to that that Monday's practice? That's the plan. Yeah. Okay, we'll be able to hear the instant reaction of day one spring ball. 20, Which is 24. generally the worst day for everything because they don't right. really do anything. But who? Is who? What is going right. on? It's but. going to take me two and a half hours to figure out, even have a remote idea of who is yeah. who uh, right. on this roster. So 
Wish me luck. <laughs> I'm going to be like, uh, I think number 17 was da-da-da-da-da. And I have written down 14, but there's not a 14 on my sheet, so I have no clue who that is. There's going to be a lot of that. Those are the days that Zach is just going to be running around like a wild yeah. man trying to get everyone filled in. But uh, we just uh, – Obviously, there's going to be a lot more coverage leading up to the first day and then all throughout spring practices as well. But uh, just, you know, kind of, kind of a little bit of a kickstart. Uh, we've, we've mentioned little talks about football here and there, but we're just going to go around the horn real fast and uh, kind, of, kind of talk about first just, just each person's number one storyline that they are most excited to track throughout spring practice. We're going to start with offense, and I'm going to – Pass it over to Chad. We'll work all the way around to Roy, right back up to me. I'll let you guys go first. I'll go last so I don't pick the, the low-hanging fruit. Uh, well, then, Roy, we're going to go down to you and then work our way around. So you want me to give what I'm most excited for on offense, just story offense? Storyline, top storyline. Like, what excited. are you looking to hear about the most? Hmm. Obviously, it's sore, like Soresby is such the easy one because he – like I've been – Beat the drum. Run with yeah. I'm most excited to see how the offensive line uh, comes back. They they hyped it up that everyone came back. We got Corey Kiner coming back. I'm excited to see how that run game develops and kind of the progression of the pass pro because that's been uh, an Achilles heel of the offense for two, three years now. So I think that's what I'm most excited for is O-line return. The squad is back. Let's see what they can do. Okay, I like it. Aaron? I would say that I'm most excited to see what this new tight end room looks like. I think that we had been very heavy in tight ends um, going back to, you know, Josh and Lenny. I didn't do. I mean, we kind of got away from that last year. We know, we have an idea of what the running back room looked like. I don't like to talk about that. Um, but we, we have an idea, though, of, of what this was running back room looked like. Obviously, with Sims leaving and just Corey being the, the only lone returning guy, essentially, um, the, the running back room, running back, running game could look very different. But uh, I'm just excited to see what. You, you have essentially, even with, with Joey Beljohn, you, you have all new pieces at tight end to be playing with. And I think that they talked about the freshmen are looking probably more ready than maybe the, the common fan was prepared for. So you essentially have three, four different guys there at that point, including you know Ryan's cousin, Joe. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens at tight end. I'm, I'm excited to see what that looks like. Can we get a DNA test on the two of you and like do it live on the show? <laughs> we we've went over this before. We ran into each other a couple times, and we're not related. <laughs> no, you don't think you haven't found out if you're related or not. So, Joe, who you don't who, think yeah. you're related? Who's your grandparents? Yeah, there were, there were some there were some drinks involved too. So it wasn't the smartest of the smart trying to get <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure it out. I love but it that. was fun. Yeah, and, um, and Aaron, Aaron, can can Peyton Singletary take another step too? You know, so yeah, that that just all all ties in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the 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 incumbent starter is still here, right? But yeah, I mean, Joe Royer, I, people are hyping him up 
So is can can he come and take the next step? I'm with you, Aaron. Okay, I'm gonna go wide receiver too, because oh. I think that was a massive hole in the offense last year. Mm-hmm. Some of it was was self inflicted because Emory Jones did not do a great job uh, getting through his reads. The offensive line also did, as Ryan mentioned, did not give him a lot of time to make his reads. Right. Um. So I I will go wide receiver too because I'll tell you guys what I think. I think by the time we get to higher ground, I think Evan Prater is going to be your wide receiver too. Home. I I like Tony Johnson. I think you know he's got an opportunity there to be good. Um, I think the other main guys are probably more slot guys uh, or inside guys. Um, I think Evan has shown a lot of maturity, has shown a lot of growth, has put in the work. I think I predict Evan will have a big spring and position himself to start the season opposite Xavier Henderson as the starter at wide receiver. And I think if that happens, I think it's a very good thing for this offense. How about that for a hot take? I like it. I like it. I, I'm pulling for Ev. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, he 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 definitely deserves it. I think it'd be probably the, the best story for the team, honestly. Like to have a hometown kid go through everything that he's gone through and emerge as the number two guy in a position change and buying into the coaching change and the new culture and all of that. Right. It'd be mon- mon- monstrous for recruiting the city. And I'm sure there's some study done out there or someone's tracked the staff and whatnot. I, I imagine year two following a position change is probably the year where you do kind of have that make or break bust out. Um, Royer, I don't know if you have any knowledge upon that, but kind of probably that year one, especially a big move from like quarterback to another position. I, I feel like that's when the adjustment period is completely gone and where you're kind of just able to go out there and free flow and play what we would always notice and what the coaches would always say was year two for, and normally it's referenced as like your second year uh, playing. So it's like sophomores or like a redshirt freshman is where you see the biggest growth. I think that is still, that is very much the case here with Evan because it's essentially like it's a fresh start. He's it's a new, new position. And the first year it's all right, learning the playbook, getting comfortable with the route running, all things that like, he no didn't even get spring last year, Ryan. Yeah, they didn't do the switch until after spring. Yeah, so I think I, I definitely agree that I think there's going to be a significant jump. Yep, and then Barry Jackson, baby, Barry Jackson, S Z N. I'm excited. Um, I guess I'll take the low hanging fruit. I mean, shit, Brendan Sorsby. Um, let's see how he looks. Uh, obviously, you know, reports have been glowing about him. Him. You know, during workouts with Nico, you know, is is Brady Lichtenberg ready to give a push? Um, how's how's the pro- progression of Brady Drogosh going? Uh, you know, it, it just all of those things kind of tied in at the quarterback position. But Maj, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, is is the future on the team? You know, there's so many questions just in that quarterback room. So much young talent mixed with you know returning Lichty. So. Is is Sorsby ready to be the guy that that levels up the entire team as a whole? So 
Um, and and you, you'll start to see that and see the uh, cohesiveness and, and how much he connects with, with all the rest of the offense and the staff. And for a lack of, of running around it, how he connects best with, with Coach Scott Satterfield. So um, we'll see. We'll, I think we'll be able to tell relatively quickly, uh, you know, maybe first couple of weeks, say like, yeah, I mean, things are clicking, things are humming, or it's going to be more of like a, yeah, he's, he's figuring it out type situation. So I'm excited to see how I that mean, unfolds. He, here's the key for me, Brett, and we won't know this until September. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say, but is the quarterback position a position that runs out of strength? Meaning they're running draws, they're running read options, they're running right. plays that put Soresby in a good situation? Or are they running at the quarterback position because the offensive line is not giving him enough time? And look, we all know that there, there's a reason that lockdown corners and uh, pass rushing edge defenders are the biggest commodity on defense because mm -hmm. those are the guys that make it hard for a quarterback to get in a rhythm. And right. I don't think we ever really saw Emory Jones have a chance to get in a rhythm. Yeah. Um, some of that is on him. Don't get me wrong. If right. he did a better job moving the chains, completing third downs, but ultimately, he was running out of a place of like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't right. running like, okay, we're, we've got you fooled now and you're yeah. keying on outside zone. And now we're going to run right up the middle for, for 22 yards. Like, there wasn't a lot yeah. of that. So that's going to be dependent with Soresby. Is he comfortable in the pocket and able to run when it benefits the offense? Or is the pocket a mess? And he has to run to save his life. If he has to run to save his life, the passing game is going to be in shambles again. Mm -hmm. I agree. So yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting things on that side of the football. But now we'll we'll roll on to the uh, to to Royer's favorite side of the ball. That's right. The oh, by the way, Brett. By the yeah. way, yeah. Kansas State ninety four to ninety in overtime. So that's, they that's... did not they did not blow a twenty five point lead. The the most unbelievable stat continues uh which i'm going to bring that up but yeah when i when i saw the uh the whole you know kansas state's about to blow a mammoth lead like that all i could think about was was this meme right here oh uh. yeah nothing don't <laughs> you know what i'm talking stop. about stop because <laughs> it brought back the memories doing, stop it brought back yeah what are we doing <laughs> What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, it, it brought back those memories. But anyway, let's uh, let's head over to to defense. Deep, which which the crazy stat is, Tang has now won twelve straight overtime overtime games in the first year plus that Two he's years. been the head seven coach. this year. They've won. They're seven and zero in overtime in 2023-24 season. It's unbelievable that twelve and zero. That stat is just insane. It's absolutely insane, but uh, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and work it around. And, and did you know that the second team that actually I, I think they won 19 straight overtime games or some some crazy number is Georgetown. <laughs> it, I mean, obviously they don't go to overtime much anymore because they uh, they're pretty terrible. But the the funny thing would be how wild would it be if Kansas State played 
Georgetown in overtime. It'd just be like, whoa, crazy. Anyway, Royer, defense, top storyline you're excited for. Oh, that's been kind of hard for me to think of. I mean, I the, the back the back four have to be better, but it's not like there's a storyline out there that's going to promise that. Right. Um, but I, I am excited to see how Kerry Combs can kind of input some of his wisdom and his uh his knowledge, his experience, because we need a huge huge steps we need huge strides out of the back four um and i mean who knows how how tyson bites change is going to impact that as well but all right you know i i really having dante back i think we need we need him to really command command a, a bigger presence this year not that he had an off like a bad year last year but i think we're going to need more out of him this year need him to step up um and keep taking his game to different levels those are kind of the things off the top of my head i'm nothing super intuitive i mean realistically what would you say to someone that said like there's there's really only so much a zero technique nose can do i what do you what are you saying like there's only so much like they, they never have big tackle numbers. They rarely have large sack numbers. Like I just felt like he was a little more disruptive the year before last. Yeah, because he he had better guys around yeah. him a little bit. That that's true. That's a good point. I'm not saying like that he had a no no no. I know year. you're not. But what I'm saying is like I think that is a position that's really hard because oftentimes his job is just absorb double team and don't like move which he does be a, be a disruptor a really high level right like he absorbs double team he holds his point he's not going to be able to get up field because there's two guys on him or it's going to be a lot more difficult to get up field i just wonder from your perspective like how much that is a position that like stats like and i know you're not talking about stats but I, when when people look at it they will look at dante's numbers from last year and say he wasn't overly impactful but I, I don't necessarily think that's true i just think he was asked to do a lot of things that you know everybody knew he was the best player on the defense and i think maybe that's what you're getting at he's gonna have to do a better job being the top of the scouting report guy yeah what you're saying about the stats is true and what i'm trying to say is dante had a great year dante had a great year before last as well and i think him being the guy who's kind of like putting the defense on his back right now in terms of being the guy who's coming back, who's been working on his leadership vocally, um, who's adopting not just kind of like a face, but a voice um, this off season. I think like him taking his play to a, another level, yeah. I think it's, it'll really, it'll really help. Um, especially with the new defensive coordinator, having like reliability, that anchor in the middle, that's going to be a consistent disruptor. Um, yeah. I think if you can just inch his game forward a little bit um, than you did the previous two years. And I think he, that's all intent is what he's going to plan on doing this year too. But well, for sure. I think the other thing to also mention is the fact that last year was Dante's first year as starting at, at nose tackle, you know, is his, 
breakout year, he was coming in and opposing teams were like, are you kidding me? This, we have to wait to go up against this guy until the, you know, the third set of downs <laughs> and, and he's just going to bull rush, you know, the crap out of me. So second time as a full-time starter, I think, uh, I mean, second year as a full-time starter, I think you'll see a different evolution of Dante probably being able to, to, to pick and choose the time when to, to dominate and when to just kind of hold his gap and whatnot. So I agree. Aaron. Well, Ryan took new coach, new system, yeah. secondary, yeah. and Dante yeah. all off the board. Okay, so what you got? So, <laughs> I am excited to see actually what what effect Tyson White has on this linebacking crew um, to see what this linebacking crew looks like in the new defense and mm-hmm. see what especially a guy like Jonathan Thompson can look like under tutelage from a coach who has worked very well with linebackers to see what um, Dingle can look like. Jack Dingle. To see what like. Dorian Jones can look like. I mean, they're, they're, these are some dudes who have obviously some experience, uh, maybe Jonathan Thompson far less than the other two aforementioned. But, you know, just, just to see what this this team kind of of a guy who this is his first gig he's not looking to you know move on and i don't know that that brown was necessarily looking to move on but didn't take long so i'm I'm just it's a far different scenario with a guy who's who's here with his very first job and as a dc and and wanting to see what this all looks like all righty chad well, I mean, Ryan and Aaron have kind of uh, dissected everything. Uh, I'll go with who coaches where. Ooh. Do we have that answer? Who's the safeties coach? Who's the linebackers coach? Who's like who fits in where? Uh, now that there's been a reshuffle with uh, with Brian Brown, the safeties coach, out as defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and Tyson Vite in as the defensive coordinator, who has as Aaron just so eloquently uh, alluded to a stellar record coaching linebackers. I, I, what are we going to say if Tuesday we come in and Tyson Vite is with the safeties? We're going to say, huh, that guy's one of the best linebacker coaches in the country. Mm-hmm. Like maybe that's a little head scratching. So uh, where, where do the defensive coaches line up? Because, I have no clue who's going to line up on defense to begin with. Uh, now we don't have any clue uh, who's even going to be in the room uh, <laughs> coaching some of these guys. Uh, yep. So that'll be uh, that'll be priority number one uh, on Monday is walking in and seeing in their pregame or pre-practice workout uh, who's working with the the safeties. And who's working with the linebackers? There we go. Um, well, we know who's who's going to be working on the D line, and he was represented in the the Strong Shall Rain video series, which is yet again another fantastic episode. Walt Stewart, stud. Aaron, what you got? We're Aaron's choppy right now. Yeah, Aaron, did, a little bit. 
I may have to just oh. go without the without the video for a minute. Um, okay. Honorable mention, though, I, I'm I'm curious to see what happens with special teams because, man, I would love to see some different people back there, returning punts, returning kickoffs. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting to see. Um, I did want to correct something I said earlier. It, it's not Georgetown who holds the most consecutive overtime wins in a row for college basketball. It's actually Florida State. A, a bit of a brand part up there underneath the old Titleist hat, not just the hat rack. I, I was able to, to remember old, old Lenny Hamilton and his White hat. State Seminoles. <laughs> what, what, what was that, Roy? You heard me. I didn't hear you, but uh, hey, it's okay. We charge White on. hat. Oh, yeah, 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 that's a good. You point. got your whitey on tonight. That's a good point, baby. <laughs> that's a good point. But you, my better be wearing, you better be wearing the black hat tomorrow. Okay, all right, black hat, black hat. It's alpha time that? in Houston. I like that. Black hat, black cats, my top storyline for the black cats of the 2024 spring ball season is uh, pass rush, man. Give me, give me who's going to be the one to step up. We were hoping that uh, DG. Daniel Greschuk was going to be that guy. He he did fill in for, for a couple of good strong games. But, man, the, I if, if you had to really round up what was probably the most inconsistent part of the defense last year outside of, you know, some some rough, you know, defensive back play, uh, whether it be, you know, containing passers or whatnot. But you could direct, directly tie that to pass rush as well. So I'm interested to see, you know, is, is Jared Bartlett the answer there? Is, is Eric Phillips ready to have a – had you know one monster final monster season here with the Bearcats kind of getting after the uh, quarterback. Um, how, how does Tyson Vite use his his game planning to get after the quarterback? Um, is there you know I I mean we were spoiled with Ivan Pace coming right after you know MyJ Sanders. We were completely spoiled. Um, so who will be the one to kind of get after? the QB and uh, really make, make life difficult for uh, all the big 12 uh, gunslingers. So um, I'm excited to see as things unfold, Chad will be there. BCJ will be on top of it before you know it. We'll, we'll all be, be able to, sure. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll all be able to know who's who and how to answer these storyline topics. So excitement is about to unfold. Does that mean you want me to do another timestamp? Yeah, why not? Okay. I was just checking. Yeah. Quick Paper yeah. Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. They service over 150 restaurants with weekly low-minimum next-day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom-printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick at 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats. For twenty percent off your first month of purchases. Boom, baby! Right, Baylor up to Baylor up to at TCU. About five minutes left in the first half. For anyone wondering. Okay. Okay. All right, that's gonna move us into the mailbag. I'll probably read them. Uh, with the camera off just with how choppy my feed's been tonight, but 
Uh, starting off in the football portion of the mailbag with spring practice starting March 4th, are there any probable starters not able to participate due to injury? If so, who will be out and who will get a chance to shine in their replacement? We'll find out Monday. That's not something that they just tell you. <laughs> in in February, uh, who all is, is out. Right. So... We'll find out Monday and, and get a feel for which guys are limited, but they'll be back later. Um, guys that are going to miss spring practice. That will be, and also Bearcat fan in Florida. We also need something to talk about uh, <laughs> as we start covering practices. So we will get to that stuff uh, next week. We're almost there. Prom. Royer, what was the, uh, the, the stance on, like injuries heading into spring ball, like were the was the staff like if you guys are injured at all, do not risk anything, just you know sit out, or were they like we need you to go, we need to see how everything looks, blah blah blah. Well, it depends on who it is. Um, like young guys that they're looking to see what they got. Um, it's definitely a big push. Like it's a big, big spring ball is huge because it yeah. lays the groundwork for where you're at on the depth chart. Um across the board, whether if you're going to be on special teams units, if you're going to be pushing a two, um, stuff like that. And especially for guys that going into their first off season or going into their second off season, like if you're dinged up, like they're like, it's a big, like get, get, get them healthy, get them healthy. They need to play. They need reps. We need tape. But the other thing was like the coaches made it a big thing that we were in the training room, like all winter, leading up to um leading up to spring ball like it was mandatory everyone had to check into the training room every single day um just to make sure that everything was getting taken care of and we're ready to roll okay because they were they were spring ball is a huge deal when i was there like it was very serious very intense essentially ryan like if you had a cleanup like you're probably not going to go in the spring like if, if you had some kind of surgery, the odds are pretty good they're going to hold you out to be, or maybe try yeah. to work you in towards the end. Um, yeah, depending on the timeline for whatever you've had. If you're a little dinged up, you better get ready for spring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Any word on how renewals are going? Do you think people are starting to get sick of where college football is headed? No, I haven't. The The farthest thing right now from my brain is how many season tickets have been sold in, for, for college football season. We're, we're in the middle of the basketball season. Spring practice starts next week. Like, that's just it's not in my brain. Uh, do I think people are starting to get sick of where college football is heading? The ratings say no. Now, when that 64 team, 60 teams that doesn't include anybody in Division One outside of those 60 teams gets <laughs> dropped, we'll see. I, yeah, I mean, there, there's changes coming. I just don't, like, the numbers are better than ever. So, you know, uh, it, it, people say that they're getting sick of it and that they're they're not watching but uh i mean there's been a lot of people over the past couple of years that have have sworn uh they boycotted the nfl like four different times and it's the same people 
Uh, I'm boycotting the NFL. Well, didn't you boycott the NFL two years ago? And they're still watching. So, yeah, I there's some fatigue. I get it. But, no, I don't think uh, – are people starting to get sick of where college football is heading? Eh, they're probably starting to. Are they still watching? Yep. They sure are. All right. And that's the football portion of the mailbag. Moving on to the basketball portion. Uh, apologies for the long question. Oh, boy. Chad has mentioned in the past that he spent a lot of time sitting with Hep Cronin and gained an understanding of hoops. I watched a few videos of Wes's UNCG teams where they attempted to run some Princeton-type cuts and screens for Isaiah Miller. What type of offense are we running currently, and what would he like to see more of? We get some good post-up for Millie, but usually only for a possession or two. Then we get people driving to the rim, get in the air, and seem lost flashbacks of Shuey. Who is this offense running through? I mean, that's the problem with not really having a one, isn't it? Like, you're, you're running through... You're running plays for CMOS. You're running plays for for Dan. You're run like you know. You're you're trying to sort through um, every trip to maximize what you have, but you don't have a Jaron. You don't have a Troy. Like you don't have an SK that you run the offense through. Like this is part of what we've been talking about. Is that you know, like like last year they they ran a ton of like you know, and this is kind of to answer that question of like oh I don't they're not moving the ball they're not moving the ball. Well, last year because of Lander's ability to shoot, um, and I mean he made it you know one of the best clips in the history of the program. You would run a lot of off ball screening for Lander's. You would run a lot of off-ball screening for Dave to get Dave in an ISO situation where he could he could do his thing off the dribble. Um, I think with this team, who are you comfortably running off-ball screens for to shoot threes? Brent, anybody? Aaron gets furious when they do it twice a game for Seamus. Yeah, uh, one guy who's only played 15 games. Right, and now... We have no idea if he's coming back or not. Right. Were you aggravated a hamstring injury that kept you out six weeks? I mean, you're probably going to play an 18-game Big 12 season in the Big 12 tournament, and you don't need two hands to count the number of games CJ played. Right. So, you know, I I, I understand where the question is coming from, but I, I don't think it's – it's relevant to this specific situation because I don't think they have that specific. I think they have to generate a lot, you know, and even when they generate, they're not super good at converting. They've generated a lot of open threes. Yeah. It doesn't mean yeah. they've made them. They've generated a lot of layups. It doesn't mean they've made them. You know what in this league, Brent? They, you don't get free layups. Your layups are going to be contested. And generally, there's not going to be a foul call. Mm -hmm. So you've got to learn to convert. I think that's one of those things as we get to this offseason that is a lesson learned in this league. You better be yeah. able to finish through contact. Because if you don't finish through contact, you're not going to finish. Yeah. Um, I mean, Day-Day and, and Dan get there all the time. 
but they sure. they got to be able to finish those. At you least at a much higher clip. You could almost mention Jizzle in that same statement, Brent. Uh, just he can get there, but he doesn't finish either. Like at times, he gets. No, little... he's he started pulling up from fifteen because he knows yeah. he's not finishing down there. Right. So Man, he 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 hit some wild mid range jumpers though. I will I will tip my cap to Jizzle on that. That, that was insane. his scouting report though. That right. was his superpower offensively. Yeah, just pulling up on a dime and and bang. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a bad shot. I hate it. But if you're really good at it, do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even touch it. If we <laughs> if we were to knock off Houston, are we a then lock for the NCAA tournament? No. No. No, but we're looking pretty damn good. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, because winning four games in a row for a team that can't win two is likely. See, but uh, but I think more so if you win that, I, I don't think you have to get to the magic number nine. <laughs> I, I think you can get to eight. It'd be fine. You'd still have to go three and one over the final – or two right. and one over the well, final just three. Win, just win your damn home games, please. You're you're two and five in conference at home. Win your win your final two home games. How do you really feel? Win them. I feel like he's upset with the comments in the chat. Not at all. Not at all. Um, we've had a lot of talk on the board about player changes for next year. But what are your thoughts on adjusting the assistant coaching staff? Do you think there's something? needs to be in the back of Wes's mind this offseason. No. I mean, I don't know. what changes? Like, I need a little bit more uh, oomph to the question. What What are we getting rid of and what do we add? I, I mean, can we, like, hire, like, the number one player in the portal dominant score? Can we hire his dad on the staff? You know, something like that. I'm I mean, joking. you know, I'm that's joking. what you got to do. That's what you got to do. I'm joking. I ain't mad but, at it. I ain't but mad no, you like, coach. Going going <laughs> back to your point though, Chad. Like they've gotten a crap ton of open threes. Like like the for the most part, the plays that have been called have have worked. Um, just haven't been able to get the biscuit in the basket. So uh, I don't know. I think, I think everything is what it is right now. Lined up, just gotta gotta find find ways to put that damn biscuit in that damn basket. Gotta risk it for the biscuit. Amen, man. Golly. In the preseason, I recall Chad interviewed Vic, and one of the questions was about Vic stepping up to be a leader more of the team. Vic did not seem very excited about it. Do we think? There is a lack of leadership among the players on this current team. No. What would be the leadership problem? I'm lack curious. thereof, I guess. What, what would be the 
evidence of that. Would it make I feel more like you, shots going? This, I mean, this is a team that like, when they're on the floor, they're very connected for the most part. Yeah, they're, you know, just because they, they had a rough day against TCU does not mean all of a sudden that they haven't been connected all year. I feel like while there like might they, not be like a leader that is clear and evident as far as John Newman's like a not a clear leader. I'm not saying I would I, disagree. I don't know my well all I'm saying is I don't think that you have a point scoring leader like a Landers Nolly out there or something of that nature. But I, I don't see a lack of cohesiveness between these guys on the floor is what I was getting at. Landers was not a um a leader person. Dave would be the Dave was left. more the leader of that team last year. And I think John stepped into the role that Dave filled admirably. Um there I, might I not be I, the I just, bucket getter like Landers, though. Like if you're talking right. just like, like scoring that's all of a sudden the leadership looks a lot better when you have a guy that's making 44% from three. Right. Um, I just don't know what again, like I I, I don't know what. And is Vic a leader? No, that's pretty clear. That's not something that he's overly comfortable with. Um, does that mean I think like I, I don't know. I, I my answer to that is I, I don't think there's been a leadership problem in the locker room. I think the locker room's been connected. Um, I think they have fought their ass off uh to this point in the season. Do I think that they're getting to a point where there's some physical and mental fatigue? Yes. I think um, it is easy as fans to, and Ryan can maybe speak to this. It's easy as fans to think of these players as robots. They're not robots. They get fatigued. They get, you know, to a point where the 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 mental strain of having to play at this level over eighteen games is really, really, really difficult. And they're not playing their best right now. I don't think anybody like there, there's nobody saying otherwise, but in diagnosing some of it, I think getting through this league is a bitch. And Cincinnati is learning that the hard way. And it's not because anybody wants to less. Nobody's in that locker room. Like hey, I'm out. Fuck these guys. I'm not doing this. <laughs> it's that you're, you know, you're half a step slow on getting back in transition or you're supposed to be applying ball pressure at 27 feet and at 27 feet, you're two steps away. And that allows the point guard to initiate the offense instead of having to like work his way past, past you to get into the set or whatever. Like it's little stuff like that, that mental and physical fatigue it's something you're going to have to learn to fight through in this league. They had to learn to fight through it in the Big East. They're going to have to learn to fight through it again because this is not the American. What did we all say we were glad to be done with? That three-game stretch of Temple, Tulsa, Tulane. Well, guess what? We're done with it because Temple, Tulsa, and Tulane couldn't couldn't sniff Oklahoma State's jock. The worst team in the league is pretty damn good. And the mm -hmm. best team in the league 
is the number one team in the country. Yeah. You got to figure it out how to how to battle through this, but I don't know that it's as easy as people think like in the middle of it. Right. Brian, they the fans think you guys are robots. Some of you. And it's just it's just high expectations. It's just delusion yeah, sure. through high expectations, which you know, high expectations is you know, it's good it's okay. to have. Yeah, it's good. It means it means that you have a good program, you have a good culture that have produced in uh in the past. Um, and we appreciate fans that care. Um, but yeah, there is, you know, you gotta step back and realize that when you're playing like when you're running the gauntlet of the best college college basketball conference in the country. Um, there's going to be times where you get caught slipping, you get got, and there's going to be times where, where you go out there and, and surprise your fans of games like maybe on Tuesday where we're not supposed to win by any means, but we're right. We're right there in it. Like we have been um, in a lot of games this year. And just, if that's going to happen, it's just as possible that there's going to be times where shit goes wrong and we can't respond. We're tired and, you don't want to make excuses for it, but the reality is that it, it can and will happen at some point. Brian, so. I, I, it's one of my my biggest pet peeves with people. Quit making excuses. Well, no, what you're what you're missing is there's a difference. It's a fine line. There's a difference between excuses and reasons. Yeah, like the stress of the 2021 season weighed heavily on you guys. And you struggled at times to control games that you should have controlled. It was not that all of a sudden the team was bad. It was that human nature is unavoidable. Unavoidable. You guys felt like you had to be perfect. And when you feel like you have to be perfect, sometimes you're not. And when you're not, you start pressing. And then all of a sudden... What, what, you know, it might have started out as a 10 7 halftime deficit or 10 7 first quarter deficit that playing normally would end up in a 48 to 17 final score. But now you're down 10 7 at the end of the first quarter and everybody starts looking at each other. And that pressure mounts and that pressure mounts. And I think we've seen also some of that with this team on. You're right on the bubble. There is immense pressure every game to go out and be on the right side. And if you slip up, it can avalanche. I'm I'm fascinated to see Tuesday what the response is. Fascinated. Because if it's 20 to 3 at the under 12. This is a team that's not in a good place coming down the stretch. If it's 15 to 10, Cincinnati's up at the under 12. All right. These boys rallied the troops. They got some fight in them. Let's see where this goes. For the record, though, I think I think we did confirm that Joel DeBlanca was is a robot, right? Roy. <laughs> yeah, Joel. Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That is true. Actually. I was going to say the only football robot I've ever met is named Sauce Gardner. Because he never had a bad day. He never had a bad day. He started for two and a half years. Started every goddamn game. 
and he never had a, a game where you were like, damn, Sauce just doesn't have it today. Yeah. He had it every day. It's the only football right. robot I've ever met. What would the Bearcats have to do down the stretch to grade out higher than the 23 and 13 team from last year that won two NIT games? Or have we already exceeded last year's grade, regardless of how the season ends? Win the two home games. You you can't. It's already bad enough, two and five. Like if you're two and six, three and or three and six, two and seven in home games, it's going to be hard to sell people next year that they need to come to the home games. You went two and seven at home. That's why they've got a challenge to sell football tickets. They won one home game, and guess what? It was not against an FBS opponent. So whatever it is, football and basketball, damn it, I figured it out. They left Under Armour, and they forgot how to protect this house. Jesus. Wow. Wow. Click, clack, Chad. Click, clack. I mean, am I wrong? Did they leave Under Armour? Yeah. Are they abysmal at home? I I mean. Which team? Both. (laughs) Both. They They forgot how to protect this house. Just haven't been able to beat teams at the jump, man. It's the yeah. curse of Under Armour. They uh, they have not been Under able Armor, to. Under Armour put the whammy. Yeah. Under Armour put the whammy on Cincinnati. They forgot how to protect the house. Have the Bearcats hit enough of a wall mentally and physically combined with Vic's play and injuries to lose all the remaining games, including one in the Big 12 tourney, lose seven in a row, and end the year 16 and 16? Sure. What the hell? Why do we do that? What? Sure. Maybe. No. Yes. If that happens, I will be taking the following BBP off. Um, No, you're not. Uh, That's not how it works. (laughs) I'll be handing the torch to Royer for him to to lead lead the squad. I will be at your house. (laughs) I have your address. Selection Sunday on St. Patrick's Day, boys. Get get uh, out. Anyway, nah. <laughs> I didn't call for them to leave Nike. I'm just saying, since they left Under Armour, since they left Under Armour, they're no longer protecting their house. I'm just saying. For those of you on the audio-only format, Josh Borkowski in the chat says, breaking Chad calls for UC to leave Nike. Wes has Chad whacked. Mafioso style, apparently. <laughs> All right. Uh Obviously, anything can happen in the portal, but is there good reason for Jizzle portal panic, or can I continue to dismiss it? I'm not paying any attention to it at the moment because there's nothing really happening at the moment. Um, we we talked a little bit about the money situation on the board today. It's a lot less than people think. Um, there, there's not as much money being flown around. I know somebody say Jizzle's going to get a million to play for somebody else. Oh, yeah. No. no. Good good for you, Jizzle. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if he does, more power to him. But, like, that's not – no. 
I, I'm not concerned about it at this point. If he if he is, if he goes into the portal and looks around, uh I you know, it would suck, but is what it is. And, and for what it's worth, the uh everyone's favorite connected college basketball insider, Philly Donovan, uh posted what he heard from an assistant from the Big 12 and what he also can gather from his own information. And he said the NIL situations that Cincinnati's like right in the middle of the pack. Yeah. A little bit, you know, maybe a little bit above the middle, like, you know, just that, that middle tier though. So, yeah. um, I mean, that's a, that's a damn good spot to be in <laughs> when you look around the country. If, if you're middle of the pack in the, in the big 12 with a college football program as well, that's a, you're doing all right. Yeah. They're doing all right. They're doing all right. They're they're not in a bad spot in NIL. Right. So right. we'll see. I it's not something I'm stressing about at this point. Maybe if you talk to me in a month, maybe I have a different answer. Um, but right now, I mean, I don't think so. From my understanding, uh his dad is kind of good with where things are at. Like there's no uh pressure amongst the inner circle or whatever it is to explore the market. Um you want to know why handshake lines should go though, Brent? Like that's a whole lot of. I think that's why yeah, coaches true. want the handshake line to go. That's a good point. Hey, you played great, man. We're gonna stay in contact. Hey, man, talk to you in March. Like, like that's all you have. That's it. You yeah. don't have to say shit. Your intentions are very clear. Yeah. Well, well the funniest, clear. funniest thing was I. Do you remember that one press conference? where uh, Houston played at ECU. Jaden Gardner had, like, a really great game. And they asked Kelvin Sampson his thoughts on Jaden Gardner. He's like, I love Jaden Gardner. I would love to have Jaden Gardner on my team. And it's just like, okay, I mean, there we go. Well, Gardner went to Virginia, but which is Houston light now, but is what it is. (laughs) I mean, how many teams saw your boy Blackman in the handshake line in the the non-conference sprint? No comment. <laughs> do you guys see and this is the last question here in the basketball portion of the mailbag? Do you guys see any parallels between the progress of our rebuild and the first three years of Danny Hurley's eventual rebuild of UConn? I would actually also offer Kelvin Sampson's rebuild to that same thought. You better get yeah, the your reason licks in now. You better get your licks in now because we're coming. We're coming. That one of the reasons people use UConn Aaron is because UConn spent those first two years that Danny was there in the American and then moved to the big East in year three. Um, and then year four, I think was when they made their, their bigger jump. Yeah. I think there's parallels. Um, you know, I think it's a little probably easier, uh, with Danny up in the Northeast being able to recruit some of those elite, uh, Nepsack, New New England prep school kids, and like the the built-in recruiting area that is Connecticut, New York, New Jersey. There's a ton of kids up there. There's a ton of talent. So I think that makes it a little different for UConn because they're kind of the big dog. Now that Syracuse has kind of fallen off, UConn is kind of the pre, especially now they got a national title. But even before that, like UConn was kind of the the flashy name up there. So I think that makes recruiting a little, uh, a little smoother for them in terms of like 
just having the door opened in a lot of situations. Um, but yeah, there are definitely parallels between the two for sure. We beat them what 10 straight times, Ugh. eight, eight or nine. And of course, the very, the very last one was at UConn and they won. That takes us to our last question in the mailbag, which of course is the uh, the bank's portion. And one question here from Skins, Rapid Fire. Who was the best character on In Living Color? I give you Homie the Clown. No idea what that is. Oh, right. Royer, you have to binge watch In Living Color. What is it? It's a sketch comedy show. Uh, do you know the Wayans brothers? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> do you know Jim Carrey? Yes. That's where Jim Carrey got his start. Okay. Um, it is unbelievable. It is so, so funny and still funny now if you watch it. Like, I'll find an episode, like a classic episode, and send it to you to watch, and you will want to watch more. It is so okay. good. Um, I think it's I, on Netflix. Is it? Um, Brent, go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, I'm kind of with Royer here. I've never seen an episode. I know what it is, but I've never seen an episode. Um, so, I mean, I, I take the take the uh, easy way out and say Jim Carrey, but um, I guess what? Jamie Foxx, maybe? Jamie Foxx, uh, uh, Tommy, Tom 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 Greer, or what was the... Uh, didn't he have a... Third David, Al David, David Allen. David Allen Greer. Yeah, David Allen Greer. Like, just so many funny, funny dudes were on that. Homie the Clown is probably the right answer. Uh, men on Films was unbelievable two snaps up uh two snaps in a circle uh and then fire marshal bill was classic it doesn't currently stream anywhere for free oh wow that's too i'm bad. surprised i'm wondering what their asking price must be outrageous well they turned homie the clown into a video game oh i'm sure they did something, yeah. Homie, don't play that. Homie, the clown, never mess around. <laughs> you messed up the man. <laughs> Homie, the clown was incredible, incredible. But Fire Marshal Bill and Men on Films were were right up there as well. Uh, Saturday Night Mad TV. I'm going Saturday Mad TV Night. merely because they got out when, but before. I'm saying Mad TV because they got out before people stopped caring about them. Yeah, yeah I mean, Saturday was funny with Shane Gillis. It was pretty good. The only funny was the his beginning and then the Lemu, the Liberty one. And they I cut thought that the rest one. of it was – yeah, the rest of it was terrible. I, no, I thought the, <laughs> the gambling one, gambling on your, yeah, your degenerate cool. best friend was funny. I laughed when he opened his mouth. With the, with the Green Bay, <laughs> oh, yeah, with the butt plug, the Green Bay that, Packer butt yeah, plug. That it just shows. Plug. It just shows because Gillis is so good at stand up, and he's so good at sketch comedy with the Gillian Keeves. 
and like just how terrible that like the Their SNL. Like the, yeah. Oh, it's so to, bad. Like censor it so much and stuff. Well, not even the censor. It's just that the the jokes and the con. Yeah. You can make funny shit that that doesn't involve cursing or like super over the top. Right. It's just the the talent is just nowhere near where it used to be. I mean, well, like. The funniest thing I've seen from SNL in ages was Nate Bergazzi doing the the George Washington skit. If you haven't seen that, it's unbelievable funny. But that was almost all a skit that Nate Bergazzi brought with him. Yeah. Like, they, they, you know, that wasn't, you know, maybe it was, uh, like, taken in and, and developed a little bit by the SNL staff. But that was, Nate brought that one with him. That's you know why it was so damn funny. Him too, Chad? Never Not curses. until you tell me. No, he doesn't curse. He's completely clean. Zero curse. Really funny. Really funny. Yeah. Love Nate Bergazzi. In your I'll opinion, who from... Okay. Uh, in your opinion, who from In Living Color had the best career in Don't Roll? Jennifer Lopez was a fly girl. Rosie, uh, Rosie, uh, Rosie Perez also a fly girl i think there's one or two other that ended up making it kind of big from the fly girls the fly girls ryan were the girls that came out and danced choreographed uh dances uh leading in and out of commercial breaks yeah and jennifer lopez was one of them i still uh, know the hell this shit <laughs> jennifer lopez would be the the long-term correct answer but jim carrey Ended up doing okay for himself after Living Color. Yeah, not too bad. I think Jim right. Carrey's probably the answer. You think Jim Carrey's bigger than Jennifer Lopez? I mean, maybe not internationally, but as far as the acting career goes, yeah, I think. Well, I mean, Jennifer Lopez, act, she did not get famous being an actor, sir. <laughs> she, she, became, she became quite the brand, probably more so than Jim Carrey, but... Right. Uh, fo right. Follow-up question. Kelly Kapowski or Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Kelly Kapowski, get out of here with that bullshit. Sarah Michelle Geller. I concur. Oh, yeah. Kapowski. Kelly Kapowski. She's still incredibly hot. Just that one pick of Kelly Kapowski in the uh, suspenders. Mm -hmm. I knew which and, one you were talking about. And one more bonk. Get us out of here, Brent. Hey now. I was asked a question about that specifically. Hey now. Now, if you'd have asked, you know, any of the party of five girls, might have been different, different answer. Double bunk. Get us out of here, Brent. Well, if you do watch TNT late night, you might wake up to Buffy the Charmed. Vampire Slayer. So or, or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Or Charmed, yeah. So it's all the same girls. It's like the same, it's whatever the same group your, of girls. Whatever your cup of tea is, <laughs> it'd be right there for you. But uh, either way, though, big game tomorrow, obviously. Number one team in the country, the Houston Cougars. Bearcats are 5-5 five and five against number one teams in their history. Uh, massive, massive, massive opportunity in this one. That's going to be interesting. So uh, make sure you tune into that. And then, of course, a home game this weekend against Kansas State, one week away from the start of spring ball. Bearcats are popping. But uh, – for my guys, my pals, you know what? If, if there's nothing left to say, then we're going to have to go ahead and say this. For 
Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Ryan Reuter. I am Brent Young. Yet another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!